0: I'm recording this in the fall of 2023, and fall is often a time when we start thinking about the end of the year, and the end of the year makes you reflect on how the year has gone. Do you have any habits you want to change? Things that you say or do that you want to stop doing or saying? Romans 12 says, present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God as your reasonable service your reasonable service. What is that? Acting holy? Behaving in a way God would be proud of? What is reasonable service? Don't smoke? Don't chew? Don't go with those who do? No dancing? No drinking? Just sit up straight and use your manners? Is being a living sacrifice putting all your dreams and desires to the side and becoming a full-time missionary? Well, What do you think are the most holy actions? If you take that part of Romans 12 out of context, then you may come up with some version of what I just laid out. It'll result in working and striving with great effort to change your behavior and to force a change. That's a frustrating exercise that really hardly ever produces lasting change. It often leads to burnout, even a loss of faith. I refer to it as religion. But if you continue reading Romans 12 presenting a living sacrifice and a reasonable service are quickly enveloped in a more manageable response. Do not conform to this world. Well, okay. That sounds like living like a nun, but keep going. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I know you're thinking you fail at controlling your body. How could you ever control your mind, which seems to drop random thoughts in your head all day long? But God says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Therefore, if He's telling us to do it, it must be possible. Welcome to Living Brightly, I'm Elaine Cross, and today we're gonna finish up our 40-day journey developing your relationship with God. And we're gonna talk about our minds, renewing your mind, and putting your mind under submission. Now this is the sixth and final installment in the series, so if you wanna start at the beginning, Go back to episode 40, which set this journey into motion, but the actual journey starts at episode 41. You can find them in your podcast app or at elainecross.com. So let's talk about renewing your mind, putting your mind under submission. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get started. So why even try to control the thoughts that randomly pop in and out of your head? Random thoughts just pop in from all sorts of places. Random thoughts, emotional reactions to something that happened around you, or memories, ideas that you're pondering and process spontaneously. Some thoughts just come and go before you even realize they've been there. Some are great and some, well, not so much. Some seem to tarry and almost poke at you, get stuck in your thinking. And there's an old poem, which isn't really attributed to one specific author. I did a lot of research on this. And I think that's because it is presented in a lot of different variations, and it's derived both from scripture and from some philosophical teachings. So it's pretty common, although it it does have little tweaks to it. I'm sure you'll recognize it. One version uses the word watch to carry the poem along, and the other uses sowing and reaping. Today I'm going to present my own version of it as a growing season. You know, farming takes a lot of time to go from planting to harvesting, So it's not really sowing and reaping, sowing and reaping, sowing and reaping because it represents a journey of one long growing season. And we know a growing season is getting the ground ready, planting the seeds, and then a lot of waiting while the crop grows and becomes fruitful and then matures to the point where you can harvest it. It's a long time. So here we go. Your mind plants thoughts, which root ideas and left unchecked, bud actions, blossom habits, and harvest identity. This is life. It's not all good. It's not all bad. Like a parent plants a thought in their children's head and they clarify it over time, describing how to root a vision, control your actions to bring that vision to fruition, and then harvesting a productive life. We do that by calling out their gifts and talents offering a way to use those gifts and talents to serve others and in turn, generate a living wage. It's a process and it takes time. But it starts with those ideas, those thoughts, those actions. Your thoughts produce ideas. And those ideas, that's where we have to make a check. Because if we leave them unchecked, if we let any random idea take over our mind and take over our actions, we're going to bud actions and habits that impact our destiny, to be a negative identity, life left unchecked can lead to less than desirable outcomes. Figuring out what you want to do when you grow up is often more about your lifestyle you want to live, how much money you make, kind of house you live in, than how you can serve God's other children. It becomes self-serving, the attention paradigm. What about me? What am I going to get? What am I going to have? Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about with the attention paradigm, That was the last episode in the Developing Your Relationship with God series, episode 45, covers those two. But again, I suggest you start at the beginning. The relational paradigm is using your gifts and talents out of a heart of service. Conversely, the attention paradigm is using your talents and gifts to get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the can. It's like you against everybody else. Yeah, that's no way to live. But your mind, you have to care for your mind just like your body. You care for your body with food, exercise, rest. You also need to care for your soul. And your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. If you live strictly according to how you feel, your emotions can get you into all sorts of pickles. And I hear that a lot. I'm not feeling it, or it just doesn't feel right. Well, Adults do all kinds of things that don't feel right or don't feel like fun. They do them because they got to be done, right? But also, well, oh, there was this commercial a few years ago and it was a it was based on a horror movie. Three young adults come running onto the screen, and to the right is a garage with a bunch of chainsaws hanging and swinging ominously. To their left is a small red car with the motor running. All you can really see in the background is a bunch of corn stalks ready to be harvested or field corn that was drying. One of the the three says, let's hide in the garage. Of course, in the garage is where all the chainsaws are. But another one whines and she says, why don't we just get in the running car? Well, that was obviously the best choice. But the next scene shows the villain brandishing a running chainsaw and the three young adults trying to hide in the garage. (laughs) Classic B-rated horror flick, right? Of course, this parody was created to convince the audience that choosing their product is the best choice and not to be fooled by the competition. But this is a pretty common story. In a book, movie, even family legends include some element of tension or suspense followed by what will be like this critical decision. In movies, the character makes a defective decision either because of fear or assumptions from faulty information or an overwhelming sense of urgency. I've got to do it. I've got to do it now. I've got to make a decision now. Now, you and I both know life isn't carefully scripted story with planned points of struggle that are equally quickly resolved in your favor and you make some positive transformation, making you a better person. Life is messy. It is not like a movie. Decisions are not clearly right and wrong. They're not clearly telegraphed with perfect outcomes. Some decisions do have a limited time window. Some things do need to be done quickly. But some are also avoided or needlessly delayed. But ultimately in life, the long-term consequences of our decisions are not realized in months. Some of them not even just a few years. When I was born, I became the youngest of seven children. I was the baby. And there's 12 years difference between me and my oldest sister. And when we talk about being children, when we get together and have lunch or something, and we talk about what it was like when we were kids, you know, we know that we were basically raised by different parenting, different parents. Now, we had the same parents, we have the same mom, we have the same had. But their parenting philosophies between the oldest and me was completely different. Now, for many years, my parents were very totalitarian, very dictatorial, and of course that led to a lot of resistance and rebellion, and it resulted in bad decisions and very, very heavy consequences. So they noticed there was a problem, got into family counseling, and following a stint in family counseling, my parents forced their parenting philosophy 180 degrees in the opposite direction. From totalitarian and dictatorial and micromanagement to hands-off avoidance. You make your decisions and you deal with the consequences. So for us younger children, instead of pushing back against our parents... We had free reign to create any kind of anarchy in our lives we could manage. But we couldn't blame our parents for it because they were our decisions. I'm going to tell you, neither extreme worked very well. (laughs) But my parents did what they thought was best. And how they parented became a model of normal for us. Their first methods failed dramatically within probably within 15 years, but by 17 years for sure. So trying to do their best, they changed things and they changed them so dramatically, it failed again dramatically. So, you know, my, my siblings and I have issues, like virtually every person raised by parents. I'm sure you have issues or some of your siblings have issues. And we all have our own version of parenting we know didn't work, Now, we might not be sure why or how, and yet, we also modeled that behavior for our children. That was our go-to because that was what we had experienced. Now, my issues are very different from my older sister's issues because we did basically have different parents, even though it's the same parents. (laughs) I must commend my parents. They tried, they failed. They recognized their failure, so they tried something different. Now, if they just had three or four children, would they have gone to the effort to do something different? Or would they just hunker down and push through a few more years and be done with it all? I have to believe they would try something different anyway because they recognized their failure. Their failure was so in your face. Probably at 15 years, the failure became clear and probably at 17 years is about when they decided, whoa, we really have to change something. This is, this is going downhill very fast. How, did they, how long did they know it was failing? I don't know. How many little things did they try to change it? I'm sure their first attempt was to knuckle down, right? We're just going to push harder. We're going to be more restrictive. We're going to work our way through it. It should work. It didn't. And it wouldn't, no matter how hard my parents forced it. And they admitted complete and utter failure. This method is flawed, and we are going to stop it. Well, guess what? We are all flawed. You're flawed. I'm flawed. Our parents are flawed. Our siblings are flawed. And at some point, you have to recognize your flaws. You are not able to be perfectly right. You're not able to make perfect decisions. Yeah, you can do pretty good, and you can do pretty bad, And at some point, hopefully, you stopped hiding, and you said, you know what? I, I messed stuff up a lot, and you stopped hiding, and you asked Jesus Christ for help with your issues, help with your sin, with your flaws, and now you You're listening to this. You want to develop your relationship with God and try to get to that place where you're not just riding the pendulum swing from one extreme to the other, where you're in a good relationship, but that relationship crashes and burns. So you try it a completely different way and that relationship crashes and burns and you want to get to a middle ground where you can be honest and vulnerable and true to who God created you to be and not be misused, manipulated, confused, anxious, fearful, you know, letting all those emotions just run your life. You want to be in a place of stable peace where you know there's some give and take and you know there's some uh, adjustments you have to make, but God is with you and God is for you and your relationship with God is solid. You want to hear his voice and make decisions with clarity and wisdom and peace, not out of urgency or emotions or trying to force something to be isn't going to be like forcing someone else to be who you want them to be or forcing yourself to be who you're not. And I'm not saying God wants you to stay the way you are. He wants you to transform, to be more like Christ. He wants you to be like Christ, act like Christ, love others like Christ loved us but he doesn't want you to force it or to try to do it in your own strength. So how are you going to do it? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But random thoughts still pop into your head, right? And some of them are downright evil and polar opposite to God. And when those pop into your head, you question, how could I possibly get closer to God? How could a believer think such a thing? Am I really saved? Do I really even have a relationship with God? Well, this is the battle. This is working out your faith. Not in working out the actions and forcing yourself to behave right. Fake it till you make it. Put on that smile even though you're dying inside. No. Let me tell you a little secret. Jesus discussed the law of Moses a lot. And the law of Moses is all about Do this and don't do that. Doesn't that sound familiar? That's that religion. That's that forcing it. That's doing the actions, trying to make yourself be different. Forcing it. But Jesus went on to say at one point that if you think of another with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. If you think it, there's those thoughts again. Now, I don't speak Hebrew, I don't think you probably speak Hebrew. Maybe you do. I don't know. But us non-Hebrew-speaking Gentiles can be perplexed by such a bold statement, right? Not to think it. I can't control my thoughts. And yet we consider our thinking not the same as actions, right? Just because I'm thinking it doesn't mean I'm going to do it. But in Hebrew, the same Hebrew word for words also means things or essence. And that word is devorum, which is the root word of Deuteronomy. We think in words, right? We don't think in letters, but words. And our words describe things and actions. And even if you think in pictures, if you think in images, those images sprout words or words sprout images, right? Images depending on how your mind works. Like I can't go somewhere that I know where it is if I haven't been there in a while until I can see how to drive there. Because if I start driving my car before I get that map kind of in my head, I'll end up going the long way, not the most direct way. <laughs> so I think in images. And not everybody thinks in images like I do, but they're so interrelated, right? Some people need to see, it's like you go to to buy a new house or to, to buy a car and you go and you see the car on the car lot, but they, o- they only have blue and red, but you want an orange car, or you want a black car. Some people, it's hard to imagine the car black or imagine the car orange. Of course, the salesman's gonna have a computer program that can put any color on that car and you can see the car. And some people need to see the car before they decide. Is one better or worse? I don't know. But Jesus says both are equal. They could be both equally positive and they can both be equally sinful if you think about another with lust in your heart you have already committed adultery it's like our thinking has already made the commitment of the action and that's what i was talking about our thoughts sprout ideas and it's those ideas that blossom into action If you see in your mind's eye or doodle out your thoughts, are you taking them captive? Or are you allowing your random thoughts to sprout ideas? This is where renewing your mind begins. I remember my kids doing something foolish and I would ask them, you weren't really thinking, were you? (laughs) Now, we are all guilty of making defective decisions based on faulty information. And some of that is because we acted too fast or we didn't process enough, but now what? We've got this defective decision, we've done this thing and we can grow through that, right? We grow through the hard times, we learn a lot. And some of the strongest people you will ever meet have been through some of the worst experiences, some brought on by their own defective decisions and some because other people mistreated them or put them in those bad situations, You've been through rough experiences. So have your friends, your parents, your siblings. I've been through rough experiences. And consequence sometimes is those experiences result in building walls to protect yourself. I get it. Life's messy and painful and we find ways to protect ourselves because people are dangerous. But then we hear this great news of grace and forgiveness and we want it. We want to be extended grace when our flaws explode into a mess on everybody around us. And we want forgiveness when all those messes and hurts cause real problems. And we've created those hurts and messes. We want to be forgiven. We want to be restored to a relationship. And God wants a close relationship with you. But even with Christ's forgiveness, your mind reminds you of all you've done. So when someone or something pokes one of those soft spots, pokes one of those things, thoughts pop in your head again, telling you you're not lovable, you're not good enough, you don't deserve anything better than that. You've gotten more than you deserve. What makes you think you should get anything more? Or if you screw up, your mind tells you you're useless, you're unforgivable, you're just trash. And even though you've heard the opposite, right, your mind immediately wants to agree with those thoughts. Well, maybe I'm not worthy. Maybe I don't deserve to be loved. Maybe I have to be alone the rest of my life. No, that is not true. You are not those things because you are made in the image of God. God made you intentionally. He made you on purpose. Regardless of what your parents say, regardless of what your siblings say, you are beloved, you are precious. You are made in the image of God. And this truth that you are valuable is so deeply rooted into American society, at least. I can't speak for other countries because I didn't grow up there. But in American society, it shows up over and over and over again in books and movies. And Americans love to cheer for the underdog, the mistreated, or the transformation, the bad guy gone good, right? The person who pulls himself out of the gutter and becomes president. That is who you are. That is who God created you to be. But let's look at this from an imagery perspective, I've got three movies I wanna talk to you about. And as I was preparing this, these popped into my mind and I have to believe that it was the Holy Spirit popping those ideas into my mind because it's an odd collection of movies. (laughs) Before we get into these four videos, let's take a break and remember that this is a value for value podcast. Thank you for listening. If you're enjoying this podcast and find value in what you hear, all I ask is you turn that value into a number and go to elainecross.com and make a donation. I freely provide my time, talent, and treasure to publish it, but I need your help to continue to provide this for you. I know people need to hear this, so I won't set up a paywall or subscription level. I refuse to be beholden to advertising corporations that control the content. You are who I want to serve. So help produce the next episode to spark the light in someone else, to push back against the chaos of darkness, one person at a time. Go to ElaineCross.com, that's E-L-A-Y-N-E, Cross as in Jesus died on the cross.com, and make a donation. Then send a note to me at donation at ElaineCross.com. Let's continue. So in the first movie is Miss Congeniality. Now, this is where the Miss America pageant is being terrorized. So the FBI wants to plant an agent inside the pageant to root out who the bad guy is. I mean, there's got bomb threats and all kinds of stuff, but it's, it's not an action movie. It's definitely more like a chick flick. And most of the female agents are not available, like one's on maternity leave and whatever, except this one. And she's gangly and clumsy and rough and tumble. And the reality is, Gracie Hart is the only one available. And of course, the men have a heyday with this. They have a sport out of creating images of her in various competitions. Right? Like she, they create an image with her with a ball ground on, and her hair's all disfigured or whatever, and her, got uh, her army boots on or whatever. And Gracie, as a character, has firmly rejected the feminine facade. She prefers to be tough and aggressive and kind of stand on her own two feet and not take anybody's garbage, but she's the one. So she's going to the pageant. So what do they do? They hire this Victor Melling, and he's a renowned consultant. He's a coach to bring out Gracie's feminine side, and she resists it, and she flounders, but... As the movie progresses, she embraces this part of herself that in reality, she has long resisted and rejected. She's always been a woman, but she's never really embraced the beauty of being feminine. Now we in the audience know she's beautiful and graceful because the actress is Sandra Bullock, but Gracie, the character, she doesn't know that. And this humorous transformation kind of depicts the truth God is trying to get you to embrace. He created you in his image for his purpose, but life and experience has encouraged you to develop a persona and a mindset that is different and divergent from his truth, because that's persona. The persona that you have created is to protect you. Now, it could easily be a man as well as a woman, right? Right? can be a man who's always the tough guy and bold and brash or whatever and doesn't know how to be gentle and vulnerable and trust his friends and trust others, right? This isn't a, a male-female thing. This is just this persona that we create because of life experiences that is polar opposite from who God created you to be. Developing your relationship with God will help you step into the person God created you to be and set some of that persona, that protective Attitudes and actions aside, to be who God really wants you to be, who he really created you to be. The second movie is Runaway Bride. The main character, Maggie Carpenter, has been to the altar several times and flees just before the ceremony starts. She wants to be married, but she suffers from this internal flaw that she is unaware of really until Ike Graham, this columnist, comes to call her out. So Ike Graham heard about this little story, this bride who's been to the altar but never gets married, and he wrote this quick little thing in a New York magazine and kind of got in trouble because he didn't actually fact check it and make sure it was actually real. So he goes to find her and find out if it's real. I call Maggie a conformist. She so fully embraces her fiancé's preferences that she doesn't have any preferences of her own. And Ike notices this. Ike sees that she doesn't even know who she is. She doesn't know what she likes. She doesn't know what she doesn't like. So one morning, Ike prepares several breakfast dishes. It's kind of humorous, all the different types of breakfasts. If you can imagine all the different types of breakfasts there are out there. He prepares all these different breakfast dishes and challenges Maggie to decide, which one do you like? because one of the things that he noticed as interviewing people was he found out that she always liked whatever her boyfriend liked. If he liked steak and eggs, she liked steak and eggs. If he liked scrambled omelets, she liked scrambled omelets. Okay, so throughout this movie, these are the kind of things that Ike has done, slowly, graciously pushing her to learn who she really is. Now in the process, Ike, of course, falls for Maggie and they become romantically connected, but in a deeper kind of more fulfilling way. They go to get married. Maggie runs away, but realizes that Ike wants her to be herself, not who they want her to be, like her other boyfriends or other fiancés. So in the end, she pursues him and they get married. Da, da, da. And this is God's graciousness. He doesn't want you to fight through Being something you're not. He doesn't want you to create a new persona. Okay, so I'm going to stop being the rough and tumble, gangly, gracie heart so I can pretend to be this sweet and loving church girl. Or I'm going to stop being this strong, kind of gruff, manly man. And I'm going to pretend to be this, I don't know, loving, manly man. (laughs) I don't know how to turn that one into a male. Anyway, God doesn't want you to force through it. He wants to challenge you and push you and call out the real you. He wants his relationship with you to be such a safe place that you can learn who you are, who he's created you to be, and what your likes are and your dislikes are and where you like to serve where you don't like to serve. You know, not everybody is supposed to teach Sunday school. But that seems to be the one place that they almost push people because they need Sunday school teachers, (laughs) right? Maybe you'd be better at visiting the older parishioners who can't make it to church anymore or bringing a family a meal or fixing a front porch when it breaks because the people don't have the money, whatever. God wants you to be who you are, uniquely you, and he's gracious, and he's patient, and he's loving, and he wants to call it out of you. He doesn't want you to force it. He wants to mine the gold that's hidden within you, that you have hidden behind this fake persona. That's kind of what I saw in The Runaway Bride is this putting on this image so that people will accept you because that's how you think they want you to be. And God says, no, I want you to be who I created you to be. And I want you to be who you are happy being, being fully yourself and fully loved and fully known so that you can be real with people and you can be honest with people because frankly, you're finally being real with yourself and you're finally being honest with yourself. This is who I am. And God loves me this way right? Men, this one's for you. The third movie is Taken. Now, this is an action-adventure movie. This is probably not a chick flick. Pretty much, this is not a chick flick. But the main character in this one is also a girl. Well, not really a girl. I guess it's her dad. 17-year-old Kim goes to Paris. Now, she goes to Paris with a friend, and this was not a thing her dad wanted her to do. But, of course, worst thing happens, she gets kidnapped, As the kidnaps are breaking through the door, Kim calls her dad. Now her dad just happens to be an ex-CIA officer and she's talking to him and telling him what's happening. And he tells her, they're gonna take you, but I'll come find you. And for the majority of the movie, Kim is being trafficked. And that is a horrible reality that we deal with that is happening today. And at some point they discover she's a virgin, so she is worth top dollar And they put her up for auction. I mean, just the idea and the thought of the fear and the desperate hoping that her dad will actually find her. You know, she holds on to that. She holds on to this hope and faith that her father will get to her before she's killed or whatever. He can't, you know, in case he can't find her. That's her hope that he will find her. But the main character of this is the father, And while the kidnappers are taking Kim and her friend, one kidnapper takes the phone and listens to who she's talking to. And the father has this great little dialogue with him. And this is a quote directly from the movie. He says, I don't know who you are and I don't know what you want. If you're looking for ransom, I can tell you, I don't have money. But what I do have are a very particular set of skills Skills I have acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. If you let my daughter go now, that'll be the end of it. I will not look for you. I will not pursue you. But if you don't, I will look for you. I will find you and I will kill you. After a pause, the kidnapper says, good luck. Of course, that is the story and it's... Quite a lot of action, quite a lot of gunshots, quite a lot of tricky situations where you're not sure who's going to make it. But of course, you know, the hero is going to make it. And the father finds her and gets to her just as the auction is kind of wrapping up. So she's at the pinnacle of risk right when he finally gets to her and he takes her home. Of course, he kills all the bad guys. (laughs) And this is where I think you can see the connection there to Father God these three movies offer a glimpse into the really the common struggle we all find ourselves in but can't really break free from. In Taken, the kidnappers represent the brokenness of this life. Everyone is out for themselves and willing to use, manipulate, and hurt others for their own benefit. The attention paradigm. Now, granted, it's not generally as extreme as that, but your brokenness, your sin nature, instills this kidnapper mindset within you. At birth, you didn't ask for it. But Father God knows you are not really one of them. You are, precious child, made in His image. And He came as Jesus Christ to redeem you back to Himself. He knows you are Kim and her girlfriend. And Jesus came and lived this life, and He took on all the punishment, all the suffering. All the ridicule, rejection, pain, beating, so that you can be a relationship with him. In Runaway Bride, the struggle to know who you really are is displayed in Ike's gentle but consistent nudging to get Maggie to stop conforming to the world around her and to the people around her, but embrace who she really is. Likewise, Jesus calls you not to conform to the world, but be transformed by renewing your mind. How? Examine what you think. Challenge what you believe to be true so that lies can be exposed and rejected and His truth can be embraced and lived out. Jesus calls you His bride, dearly loved, and a great treasure. But you have to lean into Him and you have to trust Him. You have to believe in Him to walk with you through the struggle to discover who God created you to be, to walk with you through that process. Not to fight it out, just to walk it out, to trust him more and not trust the persona, the conforming, to be what the world wants, but to be who God created you to be. And finally, in Miss Congeniality, Victor draws out Gracie's beauty and painstakingly trains her to behave as a beautiful woman, the beautiful woman she is, not a beautiful woman she isn't, And this is the Holy Spirit who wants to help you discover and embrace your hidden qualities, your gifts, your talents, some of which you have rejected, some of which you've oppressed because they seem foreign to you or they seem weak or like a vulnerability or people will ridicule you, people will laugh at you or people will reject you. And that process of stepping into and fully accepting who God created you to be requires that you cast off those old securities, lean into God's strength. Those are walls you have built within your heart to protect yourself from the lies you believe and the way other people see or treat you. Father God never lost you and he has seen all that you have experienced. He sent Jesus to love you and make you his bride, fully known and fully loved. And then Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to help you be transformed by the renewing of your mind, how you think, what you desire, and all your emotions. If you're on an emotional roller coaster, I'm telling you, there is peace waiting for you. But to change your habits, to change your identity, to the identity that God gave you, to be who God created you to be, and to be more like Christ in your relationship with others, you have to start with how you think and the words you use about other people and about yourself. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, there's a list of things to think about. Consider it a filter to run your thoughts through. Any thought or word that violates this list, reject it. Just tell yourself, those thoughts are not true and no longer belong in my mind. I don't care if it's about somebody else or if it's about yourself. If you change your thoughts, you will change your actions. You will change your behaviors. And actually, you'll change how you think because it will transform your mind. I speak from experience. I have been through this. Look up Philippians 4.8, write it out on index cards and tape it to your mirror, tape it to your dashboard, your refrigerator, put it by the television, take a screenshot of it so it's on your phone, make it your background image. When your mind pops thoughts into your head, especially negative thoughts about yourself or others, call them out by name and let your ears hear your voice reject that line of thinking. When you fail, admit it. Thank Holy Spirit for helping you realize you failed. And then ask Holy Spirit for help to continue to change your thinking, to transform your mind. Now, you'll hear Philippians 4.8 in this list of things, but I'm gonna give you my personal kind of amplified version. And these are the things you're supposed to think and meditate on. That's Philippians 4.8. Think and meditate on these things. Whatsoever is true, whatsoever is honorable, whatsoever is right, whatsoever is pure, whatsoever is lovely, whatsoever is of good report, If there is any excellence, if anything is worthy of praise, think on these things. So I have a bullet list, and I have kind of expanded each one of those. Think and meditate on these things. Whatsoever is true. Now, this is true according to God's perspective. That person is created in God's image, so there's good in that person. Leave it at that. Whatsoever is honorable. Now, honorable is morally correct, praiseworthy, respectful, honest, right? You give an honor to something that's elevated and good. So if it's morally correct, praiseworthy, respectful, it's honest, those are honorable. Think on those things, not things that are not. Whatsoever is right. Now, right is innocent, faultless, guiltless. There's just judgment. It's conformed to the will of God. What's the will of God? Loving God, loving others. If it's not those those things, reject it. Whatever is pure, pure is sacred, chaste, modest, immaculate, free from fault, reverent. Again, if it's those things, meditate on it, think on it, thank God for it. If it's not, reject it. Whatsoever is lovely. Things that are lovely are pleasing. They're acceptable. And they're to the advantage of love. They advance love, not division or criticism, right? Lovely. Meditate on it. Think on it. Thank God for it. Whatsoever is of good report or good repute. it It's sounding well. It's speaking life, speaking favor, speaking success. A good report is a, you know, like, the workers come back and give a good report about how the harvest is going. So it's speaking success, it's speaking favor, it's speaking life. Then if there's any excellence, virtuous thoughts, virtuous feelings, virtuous actions, moral goodness, moral excellence, all of this is uplifting. All of this is elevating. All of this is feel good. Don't gain anything by feeling negative thoughts or expressing negative thoughts or meditating on negative thoughts, right? No don't benefit there. And finally, if anything is worthy of praise, worthy of commendation, approval, and this is also like elevating another person or granting another person authority. So again, this lifting up, it's got an element of heroism, or meritorious service, kind of like an award, worthy of praise. What do we praise? Praise God. We praise the touch of God in other people. I know that's a really long list. Again, this is all written down in my show notes. It'll be on my website. But when you read this list, you know there's thinking on these things and filtering your thoughts through those things. It doesn't leave a lot of room for judgment. And of course the Bible says, judge not lest you be judged. It doesn't leave any room for lying. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from lies. There's no room for perversity. Keep your mouth free of perversity and corrupt talk from your lips. It doesn't leave any room for angry outbursts. Fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring a calm end. And those are things you can, yeah, I know. Some things just come out of your mouth. There's no room for slander. Rid yourself of all slander and filthy language. Okay, just hold your lips shut. Even if you're frustrated, just hold your lips shut. Don't utter it. Bitterness. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, malice, and slander be put away from you. So think on these things, and there's no space for these other things. And that is enough work to transform your mind, especially if you're doing it prayerfully Asking Holy Spirit for help, thanking Holy Spirit for His guidance, and calling you to see and understand when you're doing some of these things you shouldn't. It's not about your behavior. It's not about fighting through. It's not about putting on a facade. It's not about hiding yourself away. It's about embracing who God created you to be by embracing God's language that is uplifting and loving toward others, and. Controlling, putting under submission the language, the words, the emotions that are against God. This is developing your relationship with God. And this is a heavy lift. This is why it's the last week. But it is so important. So many of us are so careless with what we say. And a lot of the reason we're careless with what we say is because we're careless with our thoughts and we let our mind run rampant. Our mind is running anarchy all over us, and we're letting it. And the sooner you catch those thoughts and throw them out, say, no, I'm not thinking that way. Even if you can't think of something positive to say about that person or that situation, say something positive to God. Thank you, God, for helping me notice that was a bad thought. I thank you, and I praise you, and just focus on him. If you can't say anything positive about the person, be thankful to him. But if you really want to make this go fast... (sighs) Find something positive to say about the person or the situation because that will change your thinking really quick. Get stuck in a traffic jam? Why the bleep, 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 right? Lord, I pray that you would just be with these people as they travel to work. I know they're in a hurry. I'm in a hurry, but I know, Lord that my steps are ordered by you and I'm gonna get to work at just the right time. I pray, Lord, that you would get us through this without any accidents and that you would keep everyone peaceful and calm, especially me, Lord, just wash over me your peace. Holy Spirit, fill me with your peace and bless me this day and let me be a light to those around me. Your anger at the traffic will melt away and it works for every person in every situation you have every person, every situation you encounter. And as you focus on him and you ask him for help, your mind will be transformed. And as your mind is transformed, the taste and the appeal of these other things will, will taste as bad as God sees them. You won't wanna be part of it. And you won't wanna be around people who do it. You can do this. How do I know that? Because God is with you every step of the way. Holy Spirit wants to help you. Holy Spirit already brings to mind, oh, you probably shouldn't say that, oh, slow down, oh, whatever. Now, the less you listen to Holy Spirit, the harder it is to hear him. The more you listen to Holy Spirit, the easier it is to hear him. I know, this is all new, or some of it's new, and again, you've probably heard it, but exercising it is hard. Don't worry about the actions. Don't worry about the external stuff. Think about your mind. Think about what you're thinking, control what you're thinking, and whatever you let in comes out. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So watch what you're watching, watch what you're talking about, watch who you're talking to, how you're talking, right? The entertainment you take in, the images you allow your eyes to see impact your mind because it's your thinking. They impact your thinking, So what are you listening to? What are you watching? And what are you listening to inside your head and through your ears? Okay? You got this because God's got you. And I hope and I pray that you will do this thing. And it seems simple on one side and impossible on the other. But he is with you and he will be with you throughout the process. And through it, you will definitely definitely grow closer to God and you will start to see people as God sees people and loving God and loving others will become second nature. It will be your first nature because that's your identity. That's who God created you to be. And I know that seems huge because people are wacky, you know, and people who don't know God can be downright dangerous but with God, you can do all things. Thanks for joining me. Don't forget, go to elainecross.com. That's E-L-A-Y-N-E, cross, as in Jesus died on the cross.com. You can see all the show notes. You can get my expanded version of Philippians 4.8. You can see the uh, list of thoughts and things that there leaves no space for once you start controlling your thoughts and a list of other scripture verses that are related to this topic and you will find the link there to become a producer of an episode do you want to start or further develop a relationship with jesus go to elainecross.com jesus and download the free ebook connecting to your true power source It covers connecting with Jesus, choosing a Bible, how to pray, and finding a church home, and more. Again, that's elainecross.com forward slash Jesus. Thanks for joining me. Till next time. And those are things you can, yeah, I know. Some things just come out of your mouth. Well, you need to put your mind under submission and not let it just come out of your mouth.